I'm Sarah Rose, and this is the Mind Body Academy podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think yourself slim. It's not brain surgery, and I promise you can do it too. Listen in to find out how. Hey friend, welcome back to the podcast. What's good today? No, but really, what is good about your day, about your life, about what you're going through? You are not the odd one out if you feel challenged in answering this. I know for a lot of people, there is this sense that nothing good is happening right now in their lives or in the world. Most of us are going through some hard times or witnessing people close to us or even just the world at large navigate these hard times. In fact, getting through hard times was my most listened to episode of 2020, and I don't think we've turned the bend just yet. Between this virus, the mental health crisis, the crisis of chronic disease, the job losses, the bankruptcies, the evictions, the homeschooling, systemic racism, it's like you can barely catch our breath. It's a lot. And I think that it's important to name that it's a lot. If you're struggling to cope, you're not alone. I feel like this pandemic has given me pause and deeper insight into the anxious mind, since anxiety has literally gone viral along with this virus, right? This virus is viral in our minds, and it's viral in many people's bodies. And I think it's of topical interest to be talking about this because regardless of whether you catch this virus or not, many of us are experiencing a stress response to it or to the impact that it's had on everything from our livelihoods to the dynamics of our social interactions. Many of us were chronically stressed before this pandemic, and these stress hormones were seeping into us 24-7, 365. And now that the temperature of that stress is rising, we're just kind of stewing in it. I know for me personally, I have struggled with anxiety pretty consistently throughout my entire life. And you all have heard I've shared with you the acute stress that I was under when I was defrauded more recently, which, to be fully transparent, really compounded a lot of the stress and anxiety that I hadn't been necessarily doing the work to process all the way through. And so it compounded that stress that I was already experiencing my day to day. So I just want to share that because I do still regularly wake up with anxiety that I have to process through and defrag from my nervous system. And in today's episode, what I want to help you understand is what happens to you when you get stressed and stay stressed for an extended period of time. And I want to give you practical ways of unwinding your anxious mind. Recognize in what I'm sharing that it's not something that is once and done. It's kind of like a pair of headphones that you're forever having to untangle each time you pull them out of your pocket. Anxiety is something that never goes away entirely. And in fact, anxiety is a normal part of life and it can be healthy when you know how to work through it. Notice that when we're under stress, we're typically in the state of waiting, waiting for it to be all over or anticipating that something bad is going to happen or could happen. And when we're in this place of waiting and anticipating, we're to some degree checked out from what's happening right now. 
But it's only by becoming present to what's happening now that we can attend to whatever is asking for our attention. And what's really asking for our attention is the anxiety. Anxiety, just like any other emotion, is a signal to pay attention. It's like a warning light that pops on on the dashboard of a car. And when it's ignored, that's when we go into autopilot. And you'll pump the brakes, press down on the accelerator, steer off course to the nearest convenience station to avoid the road ahead of you. Right? That's that mechanism of fight, flight, freeze. When something feels unfamiliar or uncertain or threatening, that's where we usually end up, behind the wheel, but at a loss of control. And this is exactly the place where if we learn to deepen attention, we transform our relationship to anxiety into a source of fuel. Because that is what anxiety is. It's a buildup of adaptation energy. They're just these nerves and these feelings of apprehension or worry or fear. And what's all of that doing for us? It's alerting us that there might be something on the road up ahead or just around the next corner. But only if we are able to calm down can we see things more accurately for what they really are which means you're less likely to make a mistake. And what is a mistake? It's a mistake. It's taking something to be one thing when it's really something else. Anxiety makes sense when we need to react really quickly. But when something is vague, way up ahead, that may or may not even be in our path, that's where we run into some trouble because we're mobilizing for a threat as if it's happening now. We're colliding with the possibility of something happening, and that's what makes it feel so real. We're experiencing that in our bodies and our brains right away, even though it may never even become real. That thing that we're fearing might not happen, or it might not be as bad as we anticipated. And even if it happens, or even if it is as bad as we imagined it would be, often our nervous systems are so fried by the time that it actually happens that we're less able to respond and adapt. That's why, if we know better, we don't always do better in the moment. We've been reacting so much, our nervous system has been so taxed that we don't act based on what we know. We act based on the baseline of stress in our nervous system. And to that point, recognize that the problem isn't anxiety itself. Now, by no means is anxiety a joyride, but really all it is, is a constellation of sensations happening in your body. It's what we do or don't do when we feel anxious that's the problem. So it's how we're processing the anxiety. It's our reaction that causes problems a lot of the time. Or just kind of puttering along without giving that warning signal our attention that causes problems. Right, Because if we continue on without addressing what the anxiety wants us to pay attention to, we can't be prepared for it. And it just puts us into the state of alarm. It creates this sense that something's gone wrong or something will go wrong or something could go wrong. So we need to let our attention to anxiety be at the center of our path instead of waiting for things to change or waiting for what might be up ahead for us. We need to face it head on and let it jolt us a little bit. It can wake us up to what we can do 
now. Remember, it's an adaptation energy. It allows us to adapt. And when we can use it properly, it can strengthen our ability to use whatever comes our way to increase our resourcefulness. And it can be a tremendous source of resilience and brilliance. Stress signals distress. And there was a time in human evolution that it kept us alive. But when we're constantly under stress, it can take over our thoughts, over our actions, and over our behaviors. It can take over our lives. It can become a whole way of life. It can be healthy to get stressed. It is in no way healthy to stay stressed. Your immune system goes to the back burner when you're stressed because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're going to be eaten by a bear? So your body repurposes a lot of your body's processes to orient towards fight or flight and diverts those resources away from some of the functions that support a healthy balance in your body. And your digestive tract is being flooded with acid when you're stressed to shut down digestion because it takes a lot of energy to digest your food. So that energy is diverted to help you mobilize for that threat instead. When you properly manage stress and anxiety, your body and brain can repurpose that energy and channel it into things that are creative and solution-oriented. But it can't do that on its own because it can't distinguish distinguish <laughs> it can't distinguish between a life and death situation and the stress of a deadline or a job loss or news report or gaining a few extra pounds and that's when fight flight freeze takes over which i think it's important to say is normal it's our primal conditioning this is our baseline response to acute stress we want to make it go away we want to fix it we want to numb it out right away when we're caught in it, most of us don't have the awareness to pause and recognize that it's our primitive brain taking over and find our pathway back to presence. So how do we deal with anxiety? Right now, a lot of people are going into fight mode. It's like this form of a road rage where you get mad at all the people in the traffic without realizing that you are also the traffic. <laughs> And we see this breakdown at the level of society, and we see this breakdown in our relationships. I have a lot of conversations with friends of mine and clients who have young families, and they're bunkered down together and quarantining it. <laughs> and one of them was telling me how an article popped up, and the headline was, How to Not Kill Your Husband. <laughs> she was like, Sarah, I clicked on that link. <laughs> and we laughed, but in a very real way. This reactivity, this kind of lashing out and projecting our anxiety onto people around us is creating a lot of pain in our relationships. So that's one way of dealing with anxiety that you might see yourself in to some degree. And that's not to pass judgment at all. In fact, you'll notice that this mode of dealing with things comes with a lot of judgment. Judgment can be an indicator that you're in fight mode feels very defensive, right? Judgment of the people around us. And examples of this might be people getting really mad at one another for holding different views on this virus or politics or social justice. And then a lot of self-judgment. There can be the sense of coming up short, of needing to justify yourself, especially when 
you notice that you're snapping at people that you care about and recognizing the impact that these kind of overreactions might be having on them. That's a difficult thing to grapple with. And sometimes we aren't seeing the full impact of those overreactions because very often the greatest target of our aggression is our own selves. There's a story of a couple who is walking along and they see this dog without a master. So they wander over and the dog lashes out at them, tries to snap and bite them. So of course they jump back and at first it's like bad dog, right? But then they notice that its foot is caught in a trap. And like the dog, many of us have a foot in a trap. We're in these situations that we don't know how we'll get out of and we're in real pain. So we're judging and aggressive often without realizing it. And beneath that, there can be this kind of shame for having walked into the trap. So that pain can get misdirected towards ourselves and towards other people in our lives. There's this saying that hurt people hurt people. So many of us know this to be true. Yet it's so easy to look around and label people as bad people. Maybe even to think that way about ourselves. We're not taking that mindful step back to say, wait a minute, where might there be a foot in a trap? So lashing out is one of the ways that we find ourselves dealing with anxiety. And another is flight. Flight looks like withdrawing and buffering and going to food or other substances to numb and sleeping a lot or throwing ourselves into our work or anything else that can distract us away from fully having to be here. We're checking out. We're zoning out. And what lets you know that you're doing this very often is obsessive thinking. I need to eat something. I need to get it done. I need to check my phone. I need to. I need to. I need to. Now, now, now. It's this looping we get ourselves into that amps up our anxiety, which creates this urgency to get away from it. And then there's freeze, which to me was a big revelation that I was in. Because I had no idea until I came across this quote that read, extreme independence is often a trauma response. That one knocked me in the emotional jugular. And maybe it will strike a chord with you. When we keep ourselves in the same place because we refuse to seek help, we're trying to figure it all out on our own, we can't bring ourselves to try new things, keep doing the same things, expecting a different result, we're stuck. We're kind of frozen. So there's this sense of paralysis and things not changing. Very often, despite putting in a lot of effort, you're efforting in place. So these are the ways we're typically dealing with anxiety. Now, like I previously mentioned, anxiety is just an uncomfortable emotion. It's a vibration through your body. It's a combination of sensations. It's these ways that we've learned to deal with anxiety that usually end up increasing our anxiety. It's like pouring gas over a fire. The best way to deal with anxiety is not to have anxiety about having anxiety, but that's what these coping styles usually do, right? When we go into that fight or flight mode or we freeze and we're resisting and reacting to it, We make ourselves more uncomfortable when really what we're needing is to take a breath, 
and calm the fuck down. (laughs) Okay. And I hear you saying right now, great, (laughs) that makes sense. But how do I do that? Because quite often that's not instinctively where we take ourselves. And we'll get into that in a moment. But before we do, I want to invite you to check in here. You've been listening and I want you to relate all of this back to your own experience. And you might take a breath here and close your eyes or soften your gaze if it's safe to do so. (laughs) And with some curiosity, see if you can witness your survival brain in action. You might bring to mind a recent situation that provoked some anxiety for you. A time where you felt reactive. Take a moment when you've got something in mind to actually drop back into the experience. See where you were. Feel what you felt. Remind yourself what was triggering you. And you might include in your awareness some of the thoughts that were going through your head. Were they obsessive thoughts, judging thoughts, worried thoughts, blaming thoughts? What are the emotions that you're aware of feeling when you're in that reaction? Is there anger, fear, apprehension, frustration? And when you felt what you felt, how did you react? Were you withdrawing or lashing out or shutting down in some way? Now, this question is where you really want to add awareness. When you're caught up in that reaction, what is your sense of yourself? Do you feel like you're in the wrong? An aggressor in some way? Perpetrator? Maybe the victim? Are you aware of any kind of separateness? failure. We're coming up short. Just recognize how you experience yourself when you're caught up in that reaction. And now I want you to ask yourself, do I like this self? I ask this question because when we pause here, for so many of us, the answer is no. We don't like who we're showing up as, which is another layer of fight. And that tends to intensify the underlying anxiety rather than reduce it. Okay, so you might take a deep breath, shift your posture, shake yourself out a little, shake yourself out of that state, and we're going to explore together another way of dealing with anxiety that can shift your relationship to it. The first step of working with anxiety is making it workable. When we're really on edge and our nervous system is jacked up, 
and it has its fists going. (laughs) We first need to do some calming down. Once we're in that reaction, how do we calm ourselves down? That's the question, right? And one of the ways is to use the breath. I've spoken on previous episodes about how the top of the breath and the bottom of the breath are kind of like a ceiling and a floor. The fuller the breath, the more space there is for your awareness to come through. And when we're caught up in a reaction, our breath is usually short and contracted. So we're saying things that we'd rather not be saying, we're doing things we'd rather not be doing, and we're just not thinking clearly. So even one conscious breath, when you notice yourself reacting, can be a powerful pattern interrupt, kind of bring you back come back (laughs) and allow you to be a little more here. The other thing you can do is ground yourself. What I mean by this is really feel your feet on the floor or put some attention into your body, maybe your hands, and maybe you look around. When we go into our reaction, it's like we're seeing red. Our attention focalizes on what we believe to be the source of what's creating pain or tension for us. We usually go up into our heads. We want to get ourselves back into the body. We want to get ourselves back into this moment. And when we're anxious, what happens is we're usually projecting ourselves forward or back in time. So we want to come back to this present moment and feeling ourselves a little bit more here in our bodies really helps to do this. And then the other thing you can do is what's called resourcing. This can be an image or a phrase or a question you call on. For example, a few years ago, I was dating someone who needed a lot of reassuring. And so sometimes I would get into it with him. But I could de-escalate an argument or disagreement fairly quickly by asking myself, what's important here? What's important here? That helped me let go of needing to be right at the expense of the relationship. And that also allowed me to hold space to hear and acknowledge whatever he was feeling because at the end of the day, I could come back to valuing the relationship over the need to be right. So the more keenly aware you are of your triggers, (laughs) the easier it is to come up with some sort of question or reminder to keep in your back pocket. It's kind of like in that movie Inception, great movie, and each of the characters has a totem, which is some sort of item that allows them to stabilize in reality and separate that dream state from really being awake in this moment. That's what resourcing can do for you. It can help to stabilize you in some sense of safety or love or belonging, and it can bring you back when you're lost in the trance of a reaction. So that's step one, stabilizing the attention, creating some calming down. From there, we can start to turn our attention to the anxiety. And it's so, so, so important to mention that when we feel anxiety, it's because there's something we're resisting. There's something we're unwilling to feel that may be threatening or uncertain or raw. It's as if you're walking along a hiking trail and there's something up ahead on the trail and you're not sure what it is, but you think it could be a poisonous snake. 
you're probably not going to go run right up and over to it, (laughs) nor should you. But you don't need to double back either if it turns out that it's only a stick or branch, right? So the key is learning to pause and recognize that something has triggered you. Recognize that you've tensed up or that you have some adrenaline going. I love the image of a stick or a snake because it really speaks to the fact that anxiety thrives on vagueness. On the most basic level, the reason we feel anxious or fearful is because we're scared we won't be able to handle whatever we're anxious or fearful about. Naming anxiety, telling yourself, this is anxiety, or this is the part where I feel anxious, can deepen attention. And just doing that can loosen you from the chokehold of that emotion. So after creating some relaxation, that's really the next step. Recognizing anxiety as anxiety. Once you recognize that you're feeling anxious, there are four options you have at that point. We already went over fight, flight, and freeze. But you have a fourth option. The fourth option is to allow your anxiety. You don't try to get rid of it. You don't try to ignore it. You let yourself feel some anxiety. It doesn't mean that you're liking it or that you want it to continue. You're just acknowledging that right now, that's what you feel. You don't know if it's a stick or a snake. That's uncertain, but you can be certain that what you're feeling in this moment is some anxiety. And you can give yourself permission to let that be okay. Why? (laughs) Because you are a human being feeling some anxiety. That is the truth of this moment for you. Nothing has gone wrong. And this exercise starts to diffuse some of the anxiety, just asking yourself, can I be with this? Can I be with this anxiety or can I be with this for just right now? And sometimes you will bolt back down that path faster than Usain Bolt before you can ask yourself the question. Sometimes the answer will be no, and that's okay too. That's usually just an indicator that there hasn't been enough calming down and resourcing yet. So you go back to the calming techniques. But from the moment you ask that question, you are cultivating curiosity. And it's this curiosity that allows you to actively accept what you're feeling. I use the word actively very intentionally here because what most of us want to do when we feel anxious isn't accept it. (laughs) It's change it. But in order to change it, we need to get to work to accept it. And that's not something that you kind of sit back and let happen. It's something you do. And it can help by just saying to yourself, this belongs or this is what it is and that's okay. So now what? You have to understand that accepting the anxiety is what changes it. So much of the reacting and avoiding that we get ourselves into is because we're resisting the anxiety. We're not we're wanting to get away from it as quickly as possible. We're not open to feeling it. Acceptance doesn't require you to predict or control anything. And that's often what we're trying to do when we're caught up in a reaction. So it can be extremely relieving. It removes the anxiety about the anxiety. 
and it lets it be just anxiety, one layer of emotion. By observing our own anxiety, it gives us a moment of relief and a moment of perspective. Anxiety offers intelligence. Without it, we'd be kind of brain dead. (laughs) It can offer us guidance. We just don't want it to take the wheel. Anxiety isn't showing up out of nowhere. What does it need you to pay attention to? How does it want you to be with it? That is what you need to figure out, but you can't do that without accepting that it's there. Makes sense. Like, do do do, looking everywhere but at the anxiety. A lot of things you can't control, but you can care and you can act. Anxiety that you allow yourself to feel can inform what you do next and it can inform how you take care of yourself now. Okay, so take the honest inventory. Are you feeling anxiety? Can you remind yourself that you have four choices for how to deal with it and notice which choice you're making? Fight, flight, freeze, or allow? Before you try to get rid of it, can you be with it long enough to understand it? The majority of anxiety is created by uncertainty. You know, people like Tony Robbins talk a lot about human needs, and one of them is our need for certainty. And one of the other ones is our need for uncertainty. So these two needs are always scraping against one another, and it's that friction between the two that creates that feeling of being alive for us. And that felt aliveness is the good and the bad. It's not an either or. Where anxiety becomes overwhelm is when there's no check-in. There's no inventory. There's no, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, (laughs) where am I right now? And where am I going? And you can't resource yourself or prepare or pivot if your answers to those questions are vague. People wonder why their lives are going in a direction they don't want it to go. And they haven't checked in with the captain. (laughs) And so when you're done the inventory, when you scan through your life, can you pick one thing that you're committed to calling in support for? Just one thing from yourself or from anyone around you. What does that anxiety need from you right now? Remember, it's not about changing your circumstances, at least not right away. I mean, sometimes they do change fairly quickly when you handle your anxiety proactively and productively, since we're often only a few tweaks away from massive changes. Massive changes usually don't require a major overhaul of your life from A to Z. Getting your health back on track or your finances or a relationship. When it comes to any of that, anxiety tends to mushroom our sense of how much work will be required of us to change. And that's only because we're reading the warning signs anxiety is trying to give us all (laughs) cross-eyed. Anxiety makes us feel like there's some sort of imminent danger looming around the next corner. It makes us feel like we have to fight, flight, freeze. But in reality, we need to let it be okay that we feel some anxiety to be able to heed its warning signs and to be able to act in our best interest now. So 
first and foremost, it's about changing how you're relating to your anxiety and to your circumstances. Because then and only then will it change how you show up and deal with your circumstances. Only then will it change your ability to change your circumstances. Without doing the work on down-regulating your anxiety, anxiety can give everything in your life a character of urgency. But the task that hinders your task is your task. Sanford Meisner once said that, and it's so true. Anything that is affecting your ability to show up and be strong should be taken as a priority. If your anxiety is getting in the way of more of what you want to be able to create in your life, more health, more security, more ease, more abundance, that is where you need to get to work. Because how you process how you feel determines everything about the kind of action you're taking and ultimately what kind of opportunities you'll be able to take hold of to improve the experience of your life. And it's not about necessarily getting rid of the anxiety. There are plenty of times when anxiety is absolutely an appropriate response. It's just about planning on some anxiety being there so it doesn't have to be continually avoided or reacted to. There can be a lot of anxiety happening in your life and in the world, and there can still be so much goodness. Can you let there be both? And notice what happens in your brain when you do. If you need support with any of this stuff, reach out and book a call with me. It's completely free, and I want to make sure that you know that I'm still offering this. Whether you think you have the time, the money, the ability, or maybe you're focused on something other than your health or weight loss, doesn't matter. Reach out and connect with me. Just one session could change everything about everything. And at the very least, it can help you unwind your anxious mind. So just head on over to my new website, thegeniusbody.com with the T-H-E forward slash coaching and book a call with me today. This is an episode where we've covered a lot of ground about mental health and anxiety. I've given you some tools to help you decompress and let go of stress. So do us all a favor. Do this podcast a favor. Do me a favor. Do yourself a favor and share this podcast. Share this podcast with a friend, a brother, a sister, a mother, maybe someone you run into that you get talking to and you know is stressed. You never know when just sharing a podcast with someone can change their life. It happens all the time. It's just a small act of your generosity to share this show with someone you think might benefit. With that, be a force of wellness. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Kind of wish life came with a refresh button? Join the Genius Body Detox to start looking and feeling your best in as little as 30 days. Just click on the link in the show notes or visit thegeniusbody.com and let's start fresh today.